0: All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. We have an incredible daf really an incredible DAP ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tomoto sponsors for the month of Nissan, Jerry and Abby Applebaum, in memory of David Ben Avram, and Basia Bas Chaim, Drs. Paul and Linda Weinberg, in memory of Mordechai Yoshua Ben Peres Moshe Vallea Miriam, Pauline Kathy Pollack, in the Schuss of Shleima for Donna Baker Mattson, Stephen Terrizin, in honor of the birth of their grandson, Bunim Svi Hirsch, Naftali Tulson, with Akara Satov to Ischaber, Benjamin Wallen to the entire shear, Avram and Shane Dichelman, in memory of Sarah Braina Bas Yoshua. We also thank, those are all of our Tamutora sponsors, we thank them for their incredible generosity. We also thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, to thank Ellen and Sue Myrowitz for dedicating this year in memory of Pearl Myrowitz, Perel Bas Ben Sion Zichrona Livracha, and Greg and Rachel Levitan, in commemoration of the yard of their cousin, Devora Bas Shmuel Zichrona Livracha. We hope they know the merit of our Tamutora. All of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families in the Nechama. So with that, let us begin. So we really have an exceptionally beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Memtes 49. We are picking up on base 48B and we left off 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, about 17 lines up from the bottom. Yosef, Khanina Bar Papi, Rabi Ami, Rabi Yitzchak, Navcha, Akilo, Rabi Yitzchak, Navcha. So a very beautiful Gemara. Khanina Bar Papi, Rabi Abi, and Rabi Yitzchak, Navcha were all sitting on the porch of Rabi Yitzchak, Navcha. Such a such a beautiful image. right? They're all sitting together on the porch. Yosef, Amri, and they were talking and they were sitting and they were talking about the following. Ira Achos, There was a particular city in Eretz Yisrael. And again, in this particular city, ultimately, again, the Avadim did not want to circumcise themselves. That was the Matthias. They didn't want to circumcise themselves. We remember again, in yesterday's Suya, we were speaking about the fact what, what did we say? What's the halacha? You could hold on to an avid for how long? For how long? Twelve months, right? That's not lucky. Well, not to whatever for twelve months, you can go ahead and discuss with the Evid, go back and forth with the Evid about whether or not there should be a Milah, right? And Halakhalama, if he's willing to go ahead and convert good. If not, afterwards, what do you have to do? You have to sell him. Sell him to an Akum. Okay, so what happened? The Gilgolo Imo they went ahead and they tried to negotiate with this Evid up to twelve months. The chazru Um of the and then ultimately, again, they went ahead and sold them to an Ovid Kochavim. So, Kiman, whose opinion does this reflect? Ki disanya halokech eved mina ovid Kochavim velo so listen to this, because we learned before that, Allah myself, if a person wants to go ahead, I'm sorry, if a person purchases an evid from an Ovid Kochavim, and the Evid doesn't want to go ahead and do milo, megal imo at shnei masar chodesh. You can negotiate with him up until 12 months. So the Gemara says, Lo mal, If after 12 months he still does not go ahead and want to do it, thank you, official, thank you so much. He does not want to go ahead and do a mila. <laughs> Ultimately, you go ahead and you sell him to an Obeid Kochavim. Rabbi Shimon says, that, that's, that's the halacha The truth is a little anticlimactic. Because you already said this yesterday, right? You already spoke about this Yisod in yesterday's Daf. So Reb Shimon Allah comes along and says, "In Mashin also Eretz Yisrael, mipnei So the truth is, Reb Shimon Allah comes along and he says that the truth is there's another issue. What's the additional issue of maintaining an uncircumcised Evet in Eretz Yisrael because of Hefzitaris? Now, what does Hefzitaris mean? Take a look at Rashi. Hefzitaris shemitame. I'm sorry, she is a kizav, It will say, an akum, a non-Jew, has the rabbinic status of a zav. Because of that, halacha if he touches trumos, ultimately he goes ahead and he goes ahead and is mafsid them. he's metameh See, here's what's interesting to note. What's fascinating over here is that halacha so an uncircumcised eved will essentially have the status of an akum. So the gemara just says there's a problem with going ahead and maintaining an uncircumcised eved, and that is the concern that he is going to cause the loss of consecrated items. Good. So it's just another it's just another concern with maintaining an uncircumcised eved. The gemara says now here's what's interesting in a city that is close, a border city. A border city. This is fascinating. The will say, if the particular master lives in a border city, you can't maintain an uncircumcised Eved at all. What's the concern? This is fascinating. Nebuchadnezzar say, watch this. Watch this. Border cities... All right, border cities are the first line of defense of Eretz Yisra. So in general, by the way, I'll just illustrate this. There's, a, there's an interesting halacha. The halacha generally is that, the generally is that when you go ahead and you sell property, there is a certain amount of time, in Eretz Yisra, a certain amount of time that you have to go ahead and buy back that which you sold. But even if you fail to buy back that which you sold, what happens? What happens? Yovel, and what occurs at Yovel, all property returns back to its original owner. There's a fascinating exception to this rule. What's the exception? If you sell property in a border city, you have one year to redeem it. If you don't redeem it in that year, what's the halacha? It goes ahead and yotza lechalutin. It becomes the property of the new owner, and it does not revert back to you at Yovel. It doesn't revert back to you at Yovel. So what's the logic? This is incredible. And by the way, that's a profound idea. The Sefer Achinuch explains, you know why that is? He says, border cities are the first line of defense. In order for their defense to be solid, the residents of the city have to know the city and have to know each other. So because of that, we cannot have high turnover rates of property ownership, in border cities. It's just fascinating, right? Eretz Yisrael has always faced an external threat. And again, the first line of defense is always the border cities. So the Gemara says something amazing. So let's say we could assume that Allah will give you 12 months to negotiate with your Evet Kenani to go ahead and to go ahead and convince him to do circumcision. That's fine, except in a border city. In a border city, if you have an Eved who is unwilling to get on board, right? You have an Eved who is unwilling to go ahead and get a circumcision, taloch is, you have to sell him immediately. Why? Shema Yishma Dover, we're concerned that in the border city, he may hear something about the defenses of the city, the defenses of Eretz Yisrael, the Yelech, the Yomer, Kochavim. And he may go out and what? He may go out and tell over these secrets, right? These defense secrets to another Gentile. So we'll say, just fascinating qualification. Good. Tanya, Rabbi Hananiah, Rabbi Hananiah Beno, Shorba Gamliel, Rabbi say, listen to listen to this Gimara. This is a profound Gimara. So Rabbi Son of Rabbi said as follows. why is it that Now this is also interesting. Bizman hazeh in this time, but it's mean, okay, the Gimara so contemporarily for the Gemara. Why is it that gairim? often seem to suffer adversity, right? You would think that a person makes a choice to join the ranks of Klal Yisrael and kind of life should be easy after that. After all, again, you make this decision which involves so much Mesiras Nefesh, so much self-sacrifice. One would think that after that, the path would be paved with incredible bracha, incredible ease. Yet, why is it that Gerim suffers so much? So the Gemara gives a couple of answers. Listen to this. Because they did not go ahead and because they did not go ahead and uphold the seven Noahide laws. They didn't what does that do with that? Listen to this. So once they convert, they're held accountable that they did not go ahead and uphold the seven Noahide laws when they were Gentiles. They were Gentiles. <laughs> This is incredibly amazing. See, one of the ways in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu exercises his compassion for us is that he punishes us for our sins in this world. This way, again, if we go ahead and we see punishment for our sins in this world, we are cleansed for the world to come. The Chavim, the Gentiles, the nations of the world, often again get their reward in this world and go ahead and are held accountable, or face the accountability in the world to come. So listen to this. When this Gentile was a Gentile, so the fact that he didn't keep Shev as B'nei Noach, ultimately again, okay, okay, he'll, he'll get his punishment, he'll get the right accountability, will come in the world to come. Once he converts and he becomes a Jew, part of the Rachmanas of being a Jew is Baruch, who holds us accountable in this world, in this world. So therefore again, retribution, for non-fulfillment of the seven Noah Chai laws, comes to this Akum now, after he converts. Incredible. So the Gemara goes right, not Another possibility. Here's the problem. Rabbi Yossi Homer, Gershineskai Kashnola dummy. Rabbi says, here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. The problem is you're saying that there's accountability for his Gentile life once he becomes a Jew. What's the problem? that I was? We have a principle. And what's the principle? When a person converts, he's what? Like a reborn baby. So which means that the past is gone, right? That there is no accountability for what happened in his prior life. So what's the pshat? Rashi says, He shouldn't be held accountable for that which occurred in the past. So if that's the case, why is he? So say, here's the part that you can't argue on. The Gemara is reflecting a mitzias. The mitzias is, him have a difficult time. That, that's just the mitzias. Gerim have a difficult time. So how theologically do we explain the suffering of the Ger? which we will say is a generally facet. In general, it's a theological minefield to try to explain suffering in general, unless you have a nubby who tells you why suffering is occurring, but when I think most trying to somehow understand, at least on some level, how do you attri- what, to what do you attribute the difficulties of the convert? So again, possibility one non-fulfillment of Sheva Mitzvahs B'nei Noach when he was a Gentile. Rejection of that, Rabbi Yossi, Gersh niskayer kekatan shenol Blank slate. Okay, so therefore, Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Yossi says, there's a good reason. Sometimes, Gerim are not careful with the details of Mitzvahs. Remember again, this goes back to the daff we had on... Uh, Shabbos, right? gear and. kisapachas. We saw that sugi there again. So sometimes the problem with the problem with a person when he converts or she converts is that perhaps they're not knowledgeable enough at the time of conversion and Halo lemaisa. Therefore, are not careful enough with the details of mitzvah. both say one of the reasons why we have such rigid conversion processes is by design because once you become Jewish, the stakes are very high the stakes are really very high. So when a person is not Jewish, right, you have seven mitzos, right, which most of them are, are things that most decent people would be doing anyway, but once you become Jewish, you suddenly have accountability for all of these details. And the problem is, let's we'll say, let's be honest, most of us are not careful with all of the details. So therefore again, a person who's coming into this willingly has now this new threshold of accountability. So Rebios we'll says, do you want to know why Gary often have a difficult time in life? It's because they're not careful and vigilant with all the details. Sometimes because of a lack of knowledge, and sometimes just because it's difficult. But because they willingly stepped into this, there's almost like a heightened threshold of responsibility. Abba I will say Osen, Me'ava, Others saying that the heightened accountability of a ger is because often the motivation of a ger is Me'ira, out of fear, and not out of love. And we'll say this, if we had more time, what, what there is to talk about this, about serving on Kaddish Baruch Hu out of love versus serving on Kaddish Baruch Hu out of fear. I will say that to be clear, to be clear, first of all, fear means many things, and love means many things. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says over miyira, Yiras gehenam, U mipa Ha Mura aleim. So Rashi understands that yira over here means yiras ha'onash, yiras ha'onash, fear of punishment. That more often than not, the gers, the gers yiddishkeit is really based on a fear of punishment, as opposed to a love of hakadosh baruch And I will say, serving out of fear of punishment is a lower level. It is just the lower level. So because it is a lower level, that is a bit more of a compromised Yiddishkeit. As opposed to perhaps someone who's a little bit more familiar with Yiddishkeit, been living it a little bit longer, hopefully has graduated to a level of Avas Hashem and not just I will say, But what, what a profound Yisod. The truth is, so many of us get stuck in this as well. And all too often, all too often, a Yiddishkeit that we present to our children is a Yiddishkeit of Yira and not of Ava. How careful we have to be to ultimately have... Now, say, I want to be clear. You have to have Yira. You have to have Yira. Yira Sashem, Yira Shamayim, fear of punishment, awe and reverence is an absolute indispensable part of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If there is no Yira, then ultimately, again, the relationship will disintegrate. But Lamaisa, Yira can't be the only motivator. There has to be a strong love. There has to be a strong Ava. There has to be a strong sense of excitement. And you are saying that sometimes the Ger, maybe it's because of his education that he got for his Yiddish or a variety of other reasons. Apparently, they're saying that that more often than not, they saw that it was Yira That was guiding the Gerim and not Ava. Incredible. I will say, last opinion. I will say, this is wild. Do you want to know why the Gerim often have a difficult time while they suffer? Because they waited too long to become Jewish. Wow, say, well, like, only Jews can say stuff like this, right? You're right. Shkayach on your conversion. What took you so long, right? What What, what took you so long to get here? They'll say, "What What does this mean?" They're held accountable because they delayed. Look at Rashi. Anaya, sorry, the sorry. "Where do we see this from?" Before Before we get into this, what's the pasik that supports this? They'll say, "Incredible, Megilas Rus, And what does the pasik say by Rus? Yeshaleim Hashem So, I will say this is Boaz. Talking to Rus, Hashem should pay you back for your actions. And literally, again, your payment or your reward should be complete from Hashem, God of Israel. Because you have come literally to seek shelter under his wings. So we'll say, the Lushen of Hashem, Rashi says, v'lo so Russian understands Lushen of Ashabos that you came is a Lushen ultimately again of hurrying hurrying that was what Boaz, what Boaz was what Boaz was complimenting Ruth was not simply that she converted but that she converted expeditiously i don't mean about the process of conversion which was a quick process for Ruth as well but when said the decision once the decision was made the execution was immediate. There was no delay between the decision and the execution. So that's what Paul says, if, on, your, uh, on, on the fact that you converted, but the fact that you did it expeditiously, you made a decision, you executed immediately, that's what Paul says, so says, so this is incredible. So you have over here, the Gemara says, you have over the Achirim say, that Allah said, do you know why Garem are sometimes held accountable? They're held accountable because they delay in making the decision. In other words, or I should say, they delay in the execution. And I will say, what a profound yisod, not just for a game, but for life. Once you decide that something is right, once you decide that something needs to be done, failure to execute immediately in and of itself creates a level of liability and culpability. See, all too often in life, I know what I need to do. It's not a child. See, people we'll say, sometimes I'm a supoch. What should I do? What should I not do? I'm not sure. It's not clear to me. I don't know what my derech is. Sometimes I know exactly what it is that I need to do. So it's not a lack of clarity to the mission. Where's the lack of clarity? Or where, where, where's the breakdown? The breakdown is in the execution. Why am I not getting the job done? Why am I not carrying through? Why am I not executing? And the Gemara says, Failure to execute in a timely fashion creates liability in and of itself. Not just for Gerim, but for ganz at for everyone. So I will say, so again, three different ways in which the Gmar tries to understand why it is that Gayrim seemed to suffer. A fascinating discussion because trying to go ahead and figure out why difficulties happen in this world, which is always fascinating. But I will say, one possibility, again, didn't fulfill Second possibility is, ultimately, again, they're not careful with Diktukei Mitzos. And I will say, there's another profound yisod, which is what? Which is what? What do you mean they're not careful with Mitzos? So I will say, if they're not careful, they're not careful, maybe they don't know. What do you see from here? What do you see from here? You're held responsible for what you don't know. Do you know why? You should have learned it. Right? You should have learned it. Let's say ignorance, ignorance is a good excuse for a little while. But after a certain amount of time, you can't plead ignorance anymore. Because the simple retort is, so why didn't you learn? So why didn't you become well-versed? You could plead ignorance for a day, for two days, maybe even for a decade. But Lamais at a certain point in time, like the Gimara says, You should have learned. You should have been careful. You should have investigated. So we'll say, what an incredible you sowed. You can't plead ignorance for your entire life. And lesson number two, failure to execute in and of itself creates life liability. Incredible. And we'll say, let's go. Memtesam with Aleph Mishnah. Mishnah. Ezumamzer. Mamzer. Who's a Mamzer? Now, don't look around. Right? Don't start looking around. Right? That's right. Who, who, who's a Mamzer? Who's a Mamzer? So let we'll 's listen to this. Kol She'er Basar will say, the truth is... We've already, we've actually mentioned this Machlokez already. So watch this. So who is a halachic mamzer? Kol she'er basar she'hu below yavo. Dear Rabbi Kiva. So we'll say, the way this actually translates is like this. Kol Basar means whoever is related to you in some way, even if the relationship is only punishable by a love. By a love. We'll so these are the words of Rabbi Yekiv. So I'll look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, mm-hmm. So we will say any person who's quote unquote related to you, even if the relationship is only punishable by a love and not by karis. So Rashi gives examples over here. So according, so let's say a man. Oh, sorry. Let's say a father. One's father violates a woman. And then a son has relations with that woman. Product of that union will be a mamzer, because that's punishable by a Or, a man does chalitza. A man does chalitza. And then goes ahead and, after he does chalitza, marries that woman. These are examples of women with whom you have a, we'll call, a a relationship with. There's a relationship there. But the relationship is, quote-unquote, only punishable by a Only punishable by a love. Sahaloch al-amai, again, Rabbi Akiva's position is, this will create liabilities. This will create mamzerus. Shabbos said these words. go say this is the famous sheet of Rabbi Akiva that even a love creates a mamzer situation. Shimonat Timni says Kol alav bidei shamayim. Shimonat Timni says no no no. Only time that mamzerus is created is when you have a situation of of kares. Rashi says Kol so, I'll we'll say, Ratimni, only a relationship punishable by kareis will create mamzerus. And the Mishnah says that the Halacha follows the words of Shimon hatimni. That it is only mamzerus, sorry, it is only Isser kareis which creates mamzerus. Okay, i we'll say a third position. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, So, i we'll say this is very interesting. Rabbi Yeshua says, any relationship Punishable by a misas bezden, by death, by capital punishment, creates mamzerus. Creates mamzerus. So, say three positions. Rabbi Akiva love creates mamzerus. and Timni Kares creates mamzerus. And now, Rabbi Yoshua, misas bezden. Capital punishment creates mamzerus. Am Rabbi Shemab and Azai, Matzas and So, Rabbi says, I found the Migilas Yoksen. Ambos and Migilas refers. To a, genealogic, to a genealogy scroll, which is literally, again, a scroll that a person had attesting to genealogy. Listen to this. The Ba, and it said in this it's just fascinating, what did it say in the, in the scroll of genealogy? Ish ploni mamzer, Meishes ish. All right, that's an interesting family archive, right? So so again, what did, what did it say in it? It said, Ish ploni, this guy is a mamzer. Now, why is he a mamzer? meisha's ish because he is the product of an adulterous union. Now, I am both saying, adultery is punishable by what? By what? Misas Bezdin. right? Misas Beisden, you're executed for adultery. So what do you see? In this, in this genealogical scroll, it's saying that a guy is a Mamzer, based on Misas Beisden. L'chaim divrei Rabbi Yoshua. And I are both say, what does this do? This genealogical scroll was a support for the position of Rabbi Yoshua who holds that Allah Mamzerus comes from Misa's Baisdin. Okay. So we'll say, so three-way machlokes, how do you make a mamzer? Good. Next. Isha Shemesah Mutterbachusaf. So we'll say now seemingly an unrelated topic, which is quite interesting. So we'll say, remember again, there's a prohibition. If a man is married to a woman, you cannot marry her sister. Now, I will say not only that. But Allah said, even if you divorce your wife, you still can't marry her sister. The only time that prohibition goes away is when? When wife dies. If a woman goes ahead and dies, ultimately again, then a man is permitted to marry sister. sister. We spoke about this. We spoke this out. This must have been over Chalamite. We spoke this out. That the interesting part about the prohibition of wife's sister is... You see over here that even after divorce, there's a relationship between a man and his ex-wife that remains, right? Which is really quite fascinating. There's some level of relationship that exists. Vaharaya, her sister is still prohibited to him as long as ex-wife is still alive. However, again, once a man's wife passes away, then halacha her sister becomes permitted. So, ishto shemeisa muter ba'achosa. Now listen to this. Gersha, if a man divorced his wife, umesa and then she dies, mutrba baachosa. He's permitted to go ahead and marry her sister. Now, we'll say, what is Misha coming to teach me? What is it teaching me? That divorce by itself is not enough. Right? If a man divorced his wife, her sister still remains prohibited to the man. If he divorces her, but he divorces her and then ex wife dies, then sister becomes permitted. Similarly, nisis la this is incredible. Let's say again, Reuven divorces his wife, Rahul. And then Rachel marries another man, right? And then Rachel dies. Then Reuven is permitted to marry Rachel's sister, Leah. What, what is Misha teaching me? What is Misha teaching me? That even if Reuven's ex-wife marries another man, her sister is still prohibited. Right? To Reuven, the only time the sister prohibition goes away is when? When ex-wife dies. Last case, the Gemara says, Chalas <laughs> la umesa if a man does Khalitza, right? So he's prohibited to the chalitza's sister. Only after the chalitza passes away is he permitted to the sister. Nises la'acheru meisah. again, if a man does Khalitza with a woman, and then the woman goes and marries someone else, and then she dies, then the man is permitted to her sister. I we'll say, the common theme is the prohibition of achos isha, right? The pro- of achos ishto. The prohibition of marrying one's wife's sister applies as long as one's wife is still alive even if she's the ex-wife right as long as she's alive the prohibition remains only once she dies does the prohibition go away and does the sister become permitted quite fascinating again we'll discuss that so again in depth so says the Gemara akiva. so we'll say now, let's go back and analyze our three shita. So we'll says remember again we have three different opinions as to how or I should say, what type of scenario creates a mamzer? We've got Rabbi Akiva saying that any time that there's a relation, that's a relationship that's functional by a love mamzer. So where does Rabbi Akiva get this? from? Right time did Rabbi Akiva? Here we go. The lo yikach ish es es aviv es es aviv. So says a man shall not take his father's wife. Vlo yigale knaf aviv. Nor should he go ahead and literally again uncover the corner of his father's garment. So we've seen this already before. So, so, fine, we've seen this already before. And what happens? So, knaf aviv So also what that means is, it is like Rabbi Huda, namely, the corner, the, the corner of his garment, or the corner that has seen his father, should not be revealed. Which means, any woman with whom a father has had relations, a son should not have relations with this woman some Rabbi and Rabbi Akiva holds like Rabbi Yehuda that like that Rabbi Yehuda's interpretation that this pasuk is referring to a woman who was violated by the father. The And I both say this is a love, this is a love. lo And I both say so right after the pasuk that says that if the father violated a woman, the son is not permitted to have relations with her. Now that prohibition is a lav and juxtaposed to that Pasek is lo mamzer bechal Hashem. What does that teach you? The juxtaposition teaches you that any relationship punishable by a lav ultimately will create mamzeros. Amo mehani havi mamzer. From a relationship like this, like this. I will say, what's like this? There's really two criteria. Criteria number one is that there's some element of relationship, what we call a she'er or kurva. And number two Punishable by a love, punishable by a love. If you meet those two criteria, ultimately create mamzerus. I, the Rabbi Simoy, the Shar Chayvei Lavin, the Love the Share, the Rabbi Yisabe, the Marba Afidu Chayvei Asay. So I'm going to say now, listen to this. In Shitas Rabbi Akiva there's a bit of a machlokas. Listen to how fascinating this is. See, when the Mishnah sets down the position of Rabbi Akiva, the Mishnah is Rabbi Akiva. In order to create a mamzer, you have to have two criteria. Number one, she'er, which means what? So, or kurva, some level of relationship. And number two, punishable by alav. There are two other versions of Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbi Simai, Rabbi Simai says any relationship pro- prohibited by Allah. Even if there's no she'er Korva, even if there's no relationship, right? Even if there's no relation, will still create mamzerus. And I both say Rabbi That was Rabbi Simai, and and uh, Rabbi Yishavev holds. Listen to this. According to Rabbi Akiva, even chayve asay, even a relationship only punishable by what? By a positive commandment will also create mamzerus. That's pretty wild. Now I will say take a look at Rashi for just a moment. U Rabbi Simai, Rashi says, mm-hmm. listen to this. So for example, for example, according to Rabbi Simoy, if a man were to divorce his wife and then remarry her, so say that is that is a love that doesn't really have a share, that doesn't have a korva, there's no relationship there. So according to according to Rabbi Yesh, according to Rabbi Simoy's version of Rabbi Akiva, that would create mamzerus. According to Rabbi Yishabeve, even chayvei we'll says, so What's the example of chayvei asay? This is pretty amazing. Rashi says over here. Let's say you have an Egyptian or Edomite convert. So the haloch is you're not supposed to marry into the general pool until after three generations. Let's say you married them second generation. That's the violation of a positive commandment. According to Rabbi Yeshav's version of Rabbi Akiva, that would create mamzerus. So, where do they glean their respective interpretations from? So, the Gemara says, Nafkaluhu <laughs> me So, we'll say they learned it out from the extra word in the Pasuk of velo. Pasik didn't need to say velo, but it says velo, and therefore, we learn it out from there. Okay? So, the Gemara says, Timni. So, we'll say, so this, this is all the position. This because it could have just said lo yikach ish es aviv. Right, you got aviv. So why does it say below? The below ultimately again is extra. Fine. So what say? So that closes out Rabbi Akiva. Right. So now everyone in Rabbi Akiva's position is learning from this pasik. I. Right, what about Shimon Timni? But Timni, Atimni, Savli Kirabon, the Mishav Daber. this. on the on the other hand holds that on the Posik of lo yikach ish es es aviv lo knaf aviv. He holds that that is referring to the Shomeres Yavam of one's father. So we'll say what that means essentially is it's referring to one's father's brother's wife. Okay. And I we'll both say, one's so father's brother's wife is a prohibited relationship punishable by Kareis. And I both say, see here's what's fascinating. Everyone's darshaning the same pasik, they're just darshaning it different ways. According to Rabbi Yakiva, the pasik that says Lo yikach ishes ishes av lo aviv is referring to a woman who was violated by one's father, and the Torah is telling you you can't marry, you can't have relations with that woman. Now that is an Isralav. That is an Isralav. And juxtaposed to that pasik is Lo So Rabbi Yakiva will say, What do you see from here? That any relationship punishable by a lab that has an element of relation ultimately again is, creates mamzerus. Rabbi Shimonat Timni will say, No, the pasik, same pasik, is referring to Shomerus Yabam. That's referring to a woman who is waiting for Yibam from my father. Whose woman is waiting for him from my father? It's my father's brother's wife. That is a woman who is Asura to me, my aunt, my father's brother's wife, as in Isser Kares. And what does it say right afterwards? What do you see from the juxtaposition that it's an iser kares which creates mamzerus? Incredible, incredible. But Rabbi Yeshua, but what does Rabbi Yeshua do? Remember again, Rabbi Yeshua is of the opinion that halacha misa any 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 misas based in any relationship punishable by, by capital punishment is chayiv is creates mamzerus. Rabbi Yeshua lichtov rakhmana loyigale lichtov rakhmana loyigale Torah could just say don't write, Don't uncover lo yikach lamali. Why do you lo yikach? Ella love. Ela love hachikar. That's what it means to say. Lo yikach ad lo yigala havi mamzer tfei lo havi mamzer. That it is only the type of relationship that is described from lo yikach until lo yigala, which means what Rabbi says: aishas aviv, father's wife, father's wife. It's only that type of relationship. Which case So What's that type of relationship? Type of relationship punishable by death penalty that creates Mamzeros. But anything less than that, or different than that, does not create Mamzeros. Amar Abai. So again, this is the three-way Machlokas. Now the truth is, we'll see, we already know, because we've spoken about it, that we pass, like that it is only a relationship punishable by karis that ultimately creates mamzerus. but we'll see it more inside. But again, the point to remember over here is, fundamental three-way Machlokas, what type of relationship creates mamzerus? Let's go back. Amr um, Abayas says, Everyone agrees. that If a man has relations with a Nida, and I remember again, having relations with a woman who is a Nida is an karis. It's an karis. But yet, despite that, everyone agrees that if a man has a child with a Nida, or with a sota, sha'in havlad Mamzer. That the offspring is not im both Say now take a look at Rashi for just a moment. "Haba Allah So Rashi says, "Aeshas Ishazinsa." To us remember again, who's the sultan in question. Remember again, soTA is a very specific process of a man warned his wife in front of witnesses not to be alone with a particular man. She violated the warning. She was alone with this man, ultimately, again, for enough time for some illicit act to have occurred. And Halo Lamaissa, again, remember, there's a whole process now that has to happen. She's taken to the Besamekosh, has to drink from the Mesota, from the waters of the Sota, right? And Halo Lamaissa essentially is treated as an adult. she's She's a surah to her husband, up until the point that the warders clarify her status. What the Umar is saying is like this if a man has relations with an Ida and has a child with a woman who's an Ida, or ultimately, again, a man has a child with his wife who's a Sota, even though, again, these are prohibitions, halakha everyone agrees they do not create Mamzerus. Now why not? Abose, this is, by the way, this is one of the most incredible ideas, I will say because Anida is an Eser Kares, yet again, so a little less, but, 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 so why not, so here we go. Nida the HaTavsi BaKidushin. I will I'll tell you why. Because a woman who is Anida, an despite the fact that she is a of Kares, or there is a of Kares, bearing relations with her, Kidushin is Tovsin with a woman who is Anida. An you could affect Kidushin. Now says, Shinemar, Vatihi ni dasa Now says it's actually fascinating. The pasuk talks about the idea that if a man has relations with a woman who is in nida, the Pasik says, Vatihi, or, me, Utihi Nida Saalov, which literally means her nidos is upon him, which means actually her level of ritual impurity is conveyed to him. The way the Gimar Darshan's this is even when a woman is a nida, Tafsi ba Kiddushin. So ultimately, Kiddushin will take effect. So the way the is darshan is, is utihi Even when she's a nida, she can be a love. Ultimately, she can be taken by him in Kiddushin, which is fascinating. Take a look at Rashi Rebosai. Tafsi Rashi says, Rashi says, Rashi says, Lopaku uh, kidushin Kiddushin Harishonu No, sorry, sorry, wrong Rashi, wrong Rashi, you're getting ahead. So we'll say, so that's nida. So therefore we'll say, what you want to say is something be really fascinating. So why is it that relations with nida doesn't create Mamzeros? Because even when she's in the state of nida, you could affect Kiddushin. And since Kiddushin can be affected even in the midst of nidos, it can't be that such a union then creates Mamzeros. Sota. what about sota? So I we'll say, listen to this. Sota is the same idea because ultimately, again, when a woman is a sota, ultimately again, kiddushin takes effect. You can affect kiddushin. I will say. Now, what does that mean? Who is a sota affecting kiddushin with? Rashi says, no, no. Here's what. Look at Rashi. The, right across. So I we'll say, listen to this. Even once a woman becomes a sota, her initial kiddushin still remains in effect. Right? It's not upshot that a woman commits adultery or a woman commits an act of zinus and suddenly again the kiddushin evaporates. Her kiddushin is still in effect. So what the Gemara is saying is essentially fascinating. Any situation where you have kiddushin or where kiddushin could take effect cannot create mamzerus. You see, part of the function of mamzerus is that mamzerus is the result of a union which could never actualize in halacha, but a relationship which could actualize in halacha, even if it is fundamentally prohibited, cannot create mamzerus. It's fascinating. I will say, because essentially the gemara is going to be is, is a definition. What is a mamzer? A mamzer is from, is, is the product of a union which can never halachically actualize. So a man, right, so a man has relations with his sister, right, an act of incest, right? An act of incest, I guess it'll depend who you go according to. Or according to Rabbi Yoshua, an act of adultery, right? These are unions which cannot occur in halacha. So because they cannot occur in mamzer, is the product of a union which cannot actualize in halacha. What the Gemara is saying is, however, if you have a union, which can absolutely actualize, albeit what, albeit what? It's asr, right, or relations are asr, that can't create a mamzer. So a man has relations with a nida. Ultimately, again, can that relationship actualize in halacha? Can actualize in halacha? Yeah, we just saw. You could do kiddushin with Rosa. Today, hey, Ramazay, could a couple get married if a woman is a nida? Of course, of course, it happens all the time. Again, we try not because a chopas nida is a little bit more complicated. But lamais, again, of course, you could, you could affect marriage, you could affect marriage. Right? Kiddushin and Nisuin, ultimately, again, when a woman's a nida. Sota. So, a woman becomes a sota. Is the couple still married even after a woman becomes a sota? Are they married? Absolutely. See, you see, these are unions. These are unions. We are But yet, relations with a nida is an isir Relations with a sota is asir. But but lemaisa. again, it doesn't produce Really a fascinating definition. That supports this. Everyone agrees that if a man has relations with an nida, or with a sota or with a Shomeres Yavam, this is interesting. Let's say I will say someone from the outside has relations with Rachal, who's waiting for Yibum, and she becomes pregnant from that. All agree that the offspring is not a mamzah. Look at Rashi, Shomeros Yavam. Now we're going to discuss this case in a little bit, uh, in a little bit greater. Now we'll say that last case, the Gemara kind of just slid in Shomeros Yavam. We're going to see Shomeros Yavam is actually going to be the subject of a fierce machlokes, rav and shmuel. If you take a look at Rash, uh, Rashi, sorry, Rashi says over Ikerav, Darmarim, Perak, Ishera, Baal, Kedushin Yishin, Kiddushin, Tovsem, Biyevamal, I will say, we are going to see that Halacha Lameisam, an interesting case, Ruven dies, leaves behind the widow, Rachel. right? So now there's Shimon, right? Shimon is going to go out and do Yibum. I will say, so now let's say against someone from the outside, let's say then Rachel accepts Kiddushin from Levi, unrelated guy. Does that Kiddushin work or not? Fierce mechelkes, Rav and Shmuel. We'll get to it again. Rashi quotes. Where is it? Sadik Beis. Let's do it in a little while. We'll get to it. Ninety-two B. We'll see this mechelkes. So the point also we'll over here is that the Gemara kind of slid in there. Shomer yavam, but Shomer yavam is going to be a mechelkes. we also say. But here's what we do know. What we do know is that halacha where a child that's a result of relations with a nida is not a mamzer. And we will say that 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 is halacha la'maisa. I'll tell you something. The Arach has Oh, before I get to that, relations with a sota, aser, aser. But ultimately, again, does not create mamzerus. So I will say, so just pointing out over here that even according to Shimonatinni, there are situations where you could have relations that is an Isser but doesn't create mamzerus, right? The only exceptions really will be Nida, right? Nida. Good. But I will say what well, I will tell you something amazing. The Arach brings down, he talks about this concept that relations with a Nida, right, don't create mamzerus. So the Arach Hashulchan says something amazing. He says, "What do you see from here?" The ways of the Torah are pleasant, because can you imagine what Khlali Saw would look like if 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 relations with the created Mamzerus? Right? was like, can you imagine what the demographics of Klali would be? Right, there are many people who, unfortunately, are not careful. With By the way, even sometimes people who are careful unknowingly. Right, there's so many halachas concerning it. Right, so if if mamzerim were created from relations with anida, there would be a, there would be a proliferation of mamzerus and klali Yisrael. So the Arach Hashulchan says again. I will say again. That's not the motivation. The reason is the, the, the Gemara is a svara. But you see, the Arach Hashulchan says that built into halachas the ways of the Torah are pleasant. Hashbaruch doesn't want it to be. You could have someone who's not knowledgeable about the halachas, or someone who is knowledgeable but just maybe not knowledgeable enough, or someone who is knowledgeable but it's a difficult area in halacha to adhere to. So in order to ensure that there's not a proliferation of Mamzerus, ultimately again, Chazal gives us this beautiful drasha. That's not the motivation, I will say again, the drasha is the drasha. The Arach just notes a fascinating byproduct of this drasha. incredible. We will say, now we come to a fascinating sugi. Here we go. So let's remember again, according to Mishnah, I found, I found this Megilas Yuchsin right, this genealogical scroll in Yerushalayim, the Kasuv Ba, and it says in it, Ish ploni mamzer me'eshes ish. Right? It, also, right, it says in that genealogical scroll, so-and-so is a mamzer as a product, because he's the product of an adulterous union, okay? And I will say, we're going to skip that part for just a moment, because look what else it said in that, in that Megillah Asyokhsin. The Kasuv Ba, Mishnas Rabbi Ezra ben Yaakov, Kav Vinoki. The teachings of Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov are kav. Kav means they are few. Vinaki, but they are pure. Take a look at Rashi. Mishnas Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov. Kav, vinaki. Rashi says, Kav, mida kitanik, lor, mkomos muatim, nhud niska bimishtoba braisa. Rabbi Eliezer Ben Yaakov is quoted very few times throughout Shas. Right? That's kav. But whenever he's quoted, naki, becholmakum, shiniska halochakimoso. He's quoted very few times, I always say, but whenever he is quoted, the halacha always follows him. I always say, by the way, what a moser, what a moser. Sometimes it's the people who speak less that have truly something profound to say. People who comment on everything generally have very little to contribute. But the people who are measured in their words speak episodically, weigh those words carefully. Usually, it's always profound. Rabbi Elias Ibn Yaakov is quoted very few times, but whenever he is quoted, the halacha always follows him. Incredible! The Kasuba, I will say, get ready for this. Get ready for this. <laughs> get ready for this. What else does it say in the Megillah Yochsin? Listen to this: Kasuba Menasha Harag as Yeshaya. He will say, what else did it include in this Megillah Yochsin? A riveting piece of historical information: that King Menasha killed the prophet Yeshaya. King Menashe killed the prophet Yishaya. And I will say, now what happened there? Amar Rava, don dainei There was a process. Menashe judged the prophet Yeshaya. Menashe judged the prophet Yeshaya. and he decided to kill him. Why? Well, I will say, why, why? did Menashe decide to kill Yishaya? Listen to this. Amar Moshe Rab Chamer Menashe said to Yeshaya like this. Yishaya, Moshe Rabenu said, Kilo Yirani haadam v'chay. Moshe Rabenu said. That a person cannot see Hashem and live. Yet you, menashe, yet you, Yeshia, you said, "The era as Hashem Yosheb al Kise Ram Venisa." Yet you, Yishaya, said that what? That you could see Hashem. That you could see Hashem sitting on His throne. So again, menashe was accusing. Menasha was accusing. Menasha was accusing Yishaya of lying. Of lying, Moshe said, "You cannot see Hashem." Baruch Hu. and now again, you Yeshay, are saying that Allah you could see Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu, listen to this. Moshe Rabbeinu said, "Who is like Hashem, our God? Who is there whenever we call out to Him?" Which of us say makes it sound like what? You could call out to Hashem Baruch Hu whenever you want, and what? And Moshe, I'm sorry, and Vat Amrit, and you said, Yeshua Hashem seek out Hashem." when he makes himself available. Which sounds like what? Hashem is only available when? At certain times. At certain times. Moshe Rabcha Amar, Es Mispar Yamecha Amale. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I will fill... Right, I will I will fill, or I will fill the number of years, your years, which Rashi points out over here means. <coughs> Hashem gives you the exact number of years that you're destined to have. <speaking in Hebrew> and you, Yeshayah said, I'll add on to your years fifteen. I'll add on to your days fifteen years, which makes it sound like that sometimes Hashem adds on or subtracts from lifespans. So Menashe accused Yeshaya ultimately again of going ahead and fabricating, fabricating, halachas, contradicting Moshe. So I'll we'll say, so I just, okay, so let, let's finish this right and I'll tell you the incorrect. So Amar Yeshayah, so now Yeshaya levels, sorry, Menasha levels these charges at Menasha Amar Yesha I'm sorry, Menasha leveled these charges at Yeshayah. Amar the Yedanadeh, de so Yeshaya says, "I know that Menashe. Is well, so we're going to see. There's an answer. There's an answer, an explanation for all of these things." Yeshaya said, "I know that Menashe is not going to listen to me. I know that Menashe is not going to listen to me. I I I know it already. So therefore, again, ve'amele. And if I explain this to him, I explain to him my psukim, my statements. Then what's going to happen? He's still going to reject it. He's still going to kill me. Ishvi mezit. See, Rabbeinu say right now, if I if Yeshaya kills me, sorry." If Menashe kills me, then ultimately again he'll be a shogeg. What does it mean he'll be a shogeg? Then we can blame it on the fact that he thinks he's right. If I explain to him my positions and he sees that he's really wrong, he's going to become amazed. So what did, so did Yeshayah do about this? While Amar, shame, he said the name of Hashem with incredible concentration, and somehow he became absorbed into a cedar tree. He became absorbed into a cedar tree. Mir- miracle happened. So they discovered the cedar tree that, somehow they discovered the cedar tree that Yeshaya was absorbed in and they began to cut it apart. They took an axe and they began to cut it apart. When they got to Yeshayah, when the axe got to Yeshaya's mouth, he died. Ultimately it was because Yeshayah himself was held accountable for speaking ill of Klav Yisrael. Because Yeshaya himself said, within, literally again, within a nation of impure lips, do I reside. So let's say, so there's so much happening in, 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 this, in this story. So, so let's take a step back for just a moment. Say, so do you want to understand the true foundation of this story? Understand, Menasheh was Yeshayah's grandson. Was his grandson? I'm remember again. You remember the story in Maseches Brachus. Remember the story, right? Good. Remember the story, right? Chiskiyoh, Chiskiyoh, Elchayud is on his deathbed. Famous Naisa, nice Chiskiyoh, Elchayud is on his deathbed. Right? What, and the Nabi Yeshayah comes to do Bikr It Wasn't quite Bikr cholin because he came to tell, come, came to tell him, you're gonna die. You're gonna die, right? And ultimately Chiskeyo says, why am I gonna die? Yeshayah says, because you refused to marry. Chiskeyo said, you know I, why I refused to marry because I saw prophetically that if I have a son, my son is gonna be an incredible Russian Rosh Novi Davodazara. Remember again, Yeshayah says to Chiskeyo, bahad de kav shaydirachman al-lamalach. Why are you getting involved in God's calculations? Don't try to run God's world for him. You do your thing. Get married. Try to have a family. What will be, will be. What does said say to Yishaiot? Fine. Let me marry your daughter. Right? Yishaiot had a daughter. At first, what does Yishaiot say to Chizkyo? Sorry, too late. I already told you you're going to die. Right? Until ultimately, again, Chizkiyot prevails. So indeed, Chizkiyot marries Yishaiot, daughter. And they have a son. That son was named Menasha. Menasha was the longest reigning monarch. He reigned for 55 years. He was a Russia for 33 of those years, uh, 22 of those years, about Baal for 33 of those years. So I will say, what's incredibly profound about this story is this is grandson judging grandfather. And I will say, now also the response of, of Yeshaya makes sense. Right, well, so you say to yourself, Yeshayah doesn't want to defend himself. Why doesn't he want to defend himself? Because he knows that Menashe is not going to listen. Right? So who cares? So who cares? But try. Save, save your life. I will say, it's his grandson. It's his grandson. So listen to this, Mishayah Sanatash. Yeshayah would rather give his life and die at the hands of his grandson, allowing his grandson to think he's doing the right thing, than to doubt, them to set the record straight knowing that his grandson is still going to kill him, but then his grandson becomes amazed. His grandson becomes an intentional murderer. We'll say such an incredibly riveting story. So now what happens again? So let's just, let's finish this up. So now what happens? So then Yeshayahu says, Hashem, Hashem, absorbed into the cedar tree. Fantastic. We'll say, Yishayo, so Yishao is saved until the ax gets to his mouth. Apparently, the rest of his body was protected. Why wasn't his mouth protected? Because Yeshayo had slandered Klal Yisrael. He said this phrase, I sit within, I dwell within the midst of a nation of impure lips. I will say, just to understand over here the context, Yishayahu was not maligning Klal Yisrael. He wasn't. He was actually belittling himself. He had received a dramatic prophetic vision. And he said, essentially, I'm unworthy of this. I'm unworthy of this. But the way he described his unworthiness was not just a personalistic unworthiness, but a national unworthiness. So his entire body was protected, except his mouth. So when the ax got to his mouth, there was no longer any protection, and he died. So said, so we'll stop over here for today. Well, the good story's not over. Say, but what do you see? What do you see from here? First of all, how careful you have to be when you speak about cloudy Yisrael. And how careful in general you have to be when you use your mouth. But mice, how careful you have to be when you speak about Jews, because sometimes, because sometimes, even if you don't mean something negative, any time negative words about Klal pass through our lips, they put our mouth and, by extension, our lives in peril. Always have to speak good of the Jew. Always have to speak positively of the Jew. Always have to see ultimately the beauty. And the Jew will say, the mice is not over, and Miras Hashem to be continued tomorrow. Shkoya.